Welcome to our podcast, Bad, it's all about crime, brought to you by Bad Sydney Crime Writers Festival and the City of Sydney. I'm Suzanne Leal. And I'm Andy Muir, and each month we'll be exploring the big questions in crime and crime writing. Subscribe to our podcast, then jump onto the Bad All About Crime book club page on Facebook to be part of the conversation. And thanks for listening. Welcome to the Bad All About Crime podcast. I'm Andy Muir. The episode you're about to hear is a presentation from the 2021 Bad Sydney Crime Writers Festival. The Bad Sydney Crime Writers Festival is on again from the 8th to the 10th of September in Sydney. Go to www.badsydney.com to find out more. Uh, hello and welcome to Bad Sydney Crime Writers Festival 2021. It's fantastic to be back in real life. First of all, we have to say that we, um, we at Bad acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation as the traditional owners of this land and pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. And I'm delighted to welcome you to the Metcalf Auditorium today for this interview with BM Carroll, Catherine Jinks and Sarah Barry. So let's uh, let's get this started. Now we have almost a library of books on the stage when we kind of look at how many books these uh, wonderful authors have written. Catherine has written nearly 50, uh, BM or Burr has around 10, and Sarah has eight, but as I was talking in the um, in the green room, there's another couple already winging their way to the publisher, which is um, quite daunting. Now, as we've been talking about COVID, I thought that it was probably a, um, a good way to sort of kick this discussion off and sort of talk about, well, you know, how has COVID been for, um, for you authors? Have you sort of found it a productive time? Have you found it a, um, a miserable time? Um, well, I think I started off a little bit like everybody. I was quite crazy um, and I couldn't write and I couldn't read, um, which for me is um, really devastating. I can get over the not writing. And, and then after about four weeks of trying to get used to my writing space and my house being invaded by my family who were there all day long um, and conducting meetings and classes and were really noisy, I eventually um, found a little corner of the bedroom and um, you can lock the door of our bedroom. And I went in there and I changed my writing space to an armchair in there. And then I was extraordinarily productive. And I, I think I wrote my last book in, in nine months, which for me is a really quick turnaround. So I went from a complete disaster to, a you know, um, rather a happy ending and quite a productive period of my, my career. Oh, so the armchair might be a new normal. Um, yeah, I have, although I've, I'm sure, um, you know, um, physiotherapists would look at what I'm doing and say it's really bad practice, but it's, I quite like it. I don't know if I'll ever yeah. go back to a desk. Oh, it's, yeah, it's kind of funny how when we just change something quite simple like that, it actually completely changes our process and our practice. It does. What about you? Oh, I, working? Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, no, no writing. <laughs> Homeschooling, months and months of homeschooling. Um, we had like a family office at home, but I kicked everyone else out of that um, and just completely took it over. I had no time to really just sit down and plot. So what I ended up doing was going to Officeworks and buying these sheets of, um, it's, it's like whiteboard sheets. And I stuck them all over every wall in the office and I'd be doing a maths question or an English question with my kids and I'd, I'd have an idea. So I'd run in and just scribble all over the walls. 
And then when um, I had a chance, I'd have to go in and, and just jigsaw piece it all back together. And, and that's pretty much how I plotted my last book. But it is very, it's going to be good, I promise. It's, <laughs> it's very good and very cohesive. Alarmingly, after that, it's. <laughs> yes. uh, well, my last book, The Attack, came out smack bang in the middle of the really bad lockdown where Sydney and Melbourne were both locked down and all the bookshops were locked down. So it didn't do well. So I have to say, it's not been great. Um, and in terms of how I, well, I sit in a little box up in the Blue Mountains. My daughter's down here, so she's grown up, so didn't make any difference to me at all. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I, a lot of writers I've been speaking to, they've either had the, the either-or experience of it's been fantastic, they've been really productive, or it's been, you know, terrible. Well, today we're talking about the uh, the past is never past, and so I was wondering whether, because the books are quite, they sort of they are similar. They're they're all of the the um, the protagonists are dealing with something coming back from their past. Funnily enough, and I was wondering whether it is possible for for us to escape our past, or is it always something that's going to come come back into our our lives. I, I've thought about this um, quite a bit and, you know, I do think the past is part of our our DNA and it informs everything we do today. And and in many ways, you know, um, that saying that time heals all wounds, I don't know if that's necessarily true because I think as you get older and wiser, you look back at things that happened when you were younger and naive and you get angrier about them and you realise that's not appropriate. So, um, I think in in novels, um, you know, the past um, rearing its head and confronting characters is something that mirrors what's ha- what happens in real life. Yeah, because your characters, um, they, they they've kind of moved beyond it a little bit, but the, it's come back in a big way in such a fantastic premise um, with your with your novel. You had it coming, um, and basically, it starts with. Someone's been shot, and the paramedic that's sent to uh, pick them up knows who who they are. And yeah, the, yeah, she. And I have to say, um, uh, as the writer of that novel, I had a lot of trouble with that coincidence that the paramedic is called out to the shooting, and she knows the victim. And 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 things like that do happen in real life, but in fiction, you're trying not to rely too hard on coincidence. So I spent a lot of the novel trying to figure out how do I get the paramedic paramedic to this um, incident without it being a coincidence. And I remember the moment when I figured out how, you know, it wasn't a coincidence was, um, you know, very gratifying. It took me a long time to figure out how to work that one out. I think you allowed one coincidence, one coincidence before. (laughs) Not two. That's it. Yes, the rule's been laid down. Uh, I didn't find that uh, um, a coincidence when I was reading it. I sort of just found that perfectly normal. I thought, well, of course a paramedic will turn up at at times and know the the victim. Yeah, but it was um, that's true, and it it does happen, and the paramedics I interviewed, you know, did say there was at least, you know, three or four occasions where they knew um, over their career where they knew the patient, you know, a woman from church or somebody they'd known. One of them, you know, came across this boy she used to like at school who was very hot at school and not hot as a very drunk <laughs> 50-year-old man who was 
semi-conscious. And, and I know that, but it was still a lot of fun for me as a writer to figure out a way to get that paramedic there at that time. Um, and, yep. you know, so it kind it of also, it, it kind it, amused me. It's, it's a lot less of a coincidence if you're in a country town. Yes. True. Yeah. yeah. I might set um, my next novel in a country town, Catherine, and avoid <laughs> Sydney. Which is probably, I mean, that's a good point with, with your book, Catherine, because you're not only is the past a small community, but you've put your character on a an island as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, what, what did you, what was the question? <laughs> I was going to say that, you know, with her, like her her life has been completely destroyed by the, the events in the past yeah. and she's kind of fled and the past has almost come to track her down, hasn't it? Yeah. I, it's funny when you were talking about that. When you said, you know, the past comes to us and all that, and I'm, I always think in terms of, literary structure so you know for a novel it's good it's a good way of bringing tension in fairly early to have some past thing happening like with a film you don't it's less of a like you can be but a lot of films can start off the characters the person you see right in front of them you don't need to know much and it goes from there but often in a novel you have to bring a past and you have to have some some, you know, the, the the characters are often have to be a little bit more fully fleshed out. So the past has to feature. And then I'm thinking, oh, he's talking about real life. Oh, geez, real life. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? All my yeah. concentration is on this whole concept of literary structure and, yeah. and all that. But the, the um, backstory is actually really hard to, to manage when you're writing because mm. it's like too much and it's boring. And it gets in the way of, you know, the forward momentum. Mm -hmm. So it is quite a juggling act, isn't it? Yeah. I did yeah, the, the Shelter, the book before this one, it was um, little flashbacks. This one was alternating chapters. Um, yeah, you have to try and work out how to handle it, especially like I've done non-thriller type fiction. Keeping the pacing up mm. and having the past, that is where the challenge is. That's where the challenge is. So, yeah, with, with a, say, a historical novel or a romance, it's not quite as the pace isn't as important. I mean, it is important, but it's different. It's not as you you don't want to, if it's a thriller, it's got to be fairly breakneck. You know, you've got to keep yeah. people reading. So, yeah. And how do you, are you a big plotter when you're sort of mapping out your, your stories? Or you yeah, that was um, when I was many, many years ago, when I was writing children's fiction and my Second, second, I I didn't I I started off not plotting like you know when I was twenty five or whatever, and some of the people I know like Ursula Dubasarsky she she doesn't plot exactly she knows vaguely where she's going but she kind of follows it. Um, after trying to do that and then not being able to finish the book, I realised I would have to start plotting. See, because I didn't sort of start in the thriller. Anyway, so um, now I'm like a screenwriter. I like I've got 50 pages of synopsis and all that before I even start. Yeah. I think I, um, James Elroy, I heard an interview with him and he his outlines are 450 pages. I thought, that's a novel. Yeah, What's left? <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Sarah? I mean, your, your, um, your character hasn't so much been destroyed by the past. She's kind of embraced it and been driven. Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, you know, when you come... You do the research about uh, 
people that have experienced horrible things like child abuse, um, it really does shape who you are. Yeah. Uh, there's no getting away from that. And it does take uh, most survivors a very long time, if not a lifetime, to try and get past that. And, um, you know, we know that even when they escape the threat, um, there's still so many problems like reduced social skills and um, poor schooling outcomes and, of course, um, all the all the mental um, issues like the um, eating disorders and uh, substance abuse, um, increased risk of criminal behaviour. There's just so many things that they have to get past, a lot of them. And oh, when I was reading those stories, it was, it was really heartbreaking. It was a really hard um, issue to tackle. And so when I created Lexi, um, my main character, I had to try to take all that into account to make her a very real character. But I also um, I also wanted to make her really resilient and and someone that we all like to think we could be if we'd come through something like that. So as far as the past um, never being the past, even though yes, she's she's out there and she's trying to make something the best of a bad situation, it's still really threads into every decision she makes and all mm. in the way that she acts yeah 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 and what um what drew you to that you know that crime i've always felt very strongly about it and i spent a lot of time ignoring it on purpose because i needed to work out a way that i could write something that involved that subject matter in a way that people would still want to pick the book up and i could still make it an entertaining read and and not put people off, readers off altogether. And it took a really long time to come up with something that I think is, it's not a book about child abuse. It's a book about a survivor who um, comes out of her shell and really becomes the best person she can be in order to turn around what's happened to her in a positive light. Um, and, you know, the the figures and when you when you look into it, I think it's something that we all need to be a little bit more aware of. Mm. Um, I don't usually write something with an agenda like that, but um, I'm kind of hoping that people can can read an uplifting story and still be a little bit more aware about what we generally tend to try to ignore because it's just so awful. Yeah. And, and what about you, Bert? Where did you sort of first sort of find your your story idea? Um, I There was a few things that happened. Um, one was I was researching um, one of my earlier novels. It was a good, you know, 20 years ago. And um, a criminal lawyer was helping me. And um, at the time I was asking her my, you know, my little naive questions. And I found out that she was um, representing this woman who had stabbed her husband on the Roringa Freeway in rush hour traffic. Um, I'm sure some people here would remember that crime because it was a really shocking crime at the time. And and I remember thinking, you know, why are you representing this woman? You know, what kind of defense can she possibly have? She's definitely stabbed him to death. You know, motorists had to pull her off him. It was very evident that she did what she did. And um, and she said, because, you know, what happened, you know, on the Ringo Freeway that morning was only one part of the story. And, um, and you know, everybody, no matter what they've done, deserves a very thorough defense. So in my novel, the person who shot is a defense lawyer. He is, um, and he, he has made his career out of defending sexual assault cases. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of very angry people because he's very good at his job. And he's so good at his job that 
you know, a great number of offenders have have walked free. Mm. So um, that was one element of the story. And the other element that kind of, I guess, also um, comes from, you know, a personal experience was a a party that we had for my son's 16th birthday that um, had an ambulance called an hour into the party and kind of um, that particular party and, and seeing those teenagers and really reminded me of what it was like to be that age and to be that vulnerable and to be that reckless and how, you know, one mistake can have lifelong consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's, it's, you know, as we're sort of talking about the past, um, that sort of teenage experience, I think we've all got teaching in our backgrounds at some point. Um, I don't, I don't have teaching. (laughs) Well, I mean, with, with your book, um, Catherine, I mean, I found it so, um, almost traumatic because it was almost like going back into the classroom <laughs> and having to deal with you know horrible parents and you know the stresses of teaching. Um, yeah, actually, I was never a teacher either. Um, but my sister-in-law is a teacher, and I've got two really, really good friends who are teachers. Yeah. And I spent like years listening to them, and I'm just thinking I'm getting so annoyed for them. Like I'm like, this is outrageous. You've got to be kidding. Really? Oh my God. You know, this no, sort of they thing. would have been telling the truth. Yeah, absolutely they were. <laughs> and I was like, I just got to the point where, oh, I, sometimes that sort of, that slight sense of outrage that people have to put up with things is a good way of getting people to keep reading the book because they get invested too, because they get really outraged, which is, yeah. So basically, that book was partly written for all my teacher friends who then got they talking about, oh, my God, I don't know if I could read that. Like, oh, my God, I think I just, I triggered, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, oh, well, that's good. Like I was thinking that's good because I got it right. You know what I mean? It's like the the, the first one, Shelter, that was of those kind of ones. That was um, about a woman who, is brought into a sort of a, an underground network of people hiding women who are on the run with their children from law, like court orders for taking the children away or, yeah. And it has the best twist ever. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but um, that was where I kind of, um, that that was where I thought, oh, I have to, um, I really wanted to talk about that because it was it was a it was a sort of and but at the same time I was thinking see this is this kind of domestic violence thing or domestic abuse and it's delicate and I hope I bloody get this right I'm really worried that I you know like blah 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 but then it was mentioned on the a list it was only three novels on this list of reading for the for a sort of domestic abuse awareness campaign in WA. And that was just, can I just say that's one of the greatest honours because I got it right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, what a relief. So, yeah, getting it right is the main thing. When I can't, like what you were tackling, I'm like gutsy, so <laughs> gutsy, like so gutsy because I'd be so scared that I wasn't going to get it right, you know? Lots and lots of research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was very unique, um, you know, Lexi, wh- who she was and her kind of character and and 
um, and what she ended up, you know, working as and and helping with the case. I was really curious. Um, all that tech stuff is that in your past? Is that all that tech knowledge that Lexi had? Oh um, no, my brother's okay. the one that he he can. Yeah, you put him in front of a computer and it's scary. So there was a little bit of um, to and froing there. So I knew what I was talking about, but um, yeah, no, I'm not tech savvy at all. Really. Introduce me to your brother so I can <laughs> ask him questions. <laughs> That's an interesting point, though, isn't it? Because you know, where do you go for your research? It's is it you know, are you happy to talk to strangers? Are you you know, contacts? Um, yeah, I'll talk to anyone that'll talk to me if I'm trying to yeah. find something out. Um, but I do have, um, I've built up quite a few contacts, um, police officers and um, people in the medical fields, different medical fields, and I really rely on them really heavily. And it's just meeting the right people and getting to know them. The ones that don't care if you message them at midnight, you know, the day before a book's due and say, uh, help, I've just found out I need to know this. Um, yeah, having a really strong group around is really important for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, because it's funny, you know, people love talking about their lives. And if you find the right person, they'll just give you everything. Detectives are very, um, you know, they're hard to crack, though. Detectives have war They've stories. They've got a detective face. <laughs> and when you're asking them lots of questions, you can tell, you know, you can only go so far. I feel you can only go so far with detectives. Yeah. And I find that, that because they they have to rehearse their... Yeah. thing for court it's like you ask them something it's like yes well i was walking in the perpetrator did this and then we did this and, and they, <laughs> they won't ever say anything out of turn or uh, no, in my no. experience so i always make sure i have ready exactly what i want to ask and and i always get off the phone very quickly because i always feel they're far too busy to be talking to me and if you've got someone you can ring at midnight i'd like their number two <laughs> <laughs> i'll just start a list shall i <laughs> well you know what to put this is honest to gods because you do, you, tr- you try and find the people, blah, blah, blah. God, trying to find contact traces for this last one. Anyway, I think that some kind of writer's institution should set up this group of like a database of, of people with their phone numbers and who are willing to talk to authors. Hey? Pretty good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Although, our, you know, all our books might end up slightly similar Catherine if we have the same resources yeah no I'm just no not necessarily just people for the the basic you know if you need a social worker and all that they have to say if you need a you know like you know not necessarily the the ideas and the plots but the just the the program you know the processes the great idea Mm. absolutely All right, well, it's kind of, uh, we're kind of getting off topic now, aren't we? <laughs> I've lost my place in my notes. Um, I, I really wanted to, um, because you've all kind of written so much, and, and your books are quite various, um, varied over over the um, over your catalogue. You know, what was that the, the um, what was it that sort of drove you to sort of start writing? I don't remember when I started writing. I've just always um, been writing something or other from. Yeah. Yeah. From day dot, so um, it just took me sort of thirty five years to get the guts to send something in to see if I can get it published. But um, I just really, uh, I just really enjoy the process. I like getting really involved in a story and and getting it down, and it's really rewarding when you get it out there and and other people enjoy it. Mm. 
Um, I my first I, novel, I think I started writing when I was 27. So um, I didn't realize it at the time, but that was, you know, quite young. And um, and I was I always had an ambition to write a novel. And I, I, I at the time I worked in um, IT. Um, I was a finance manager in IT and I wrote a company or I wrote a, a book about an IT company that was having a fraud and the finance manager was a lead character. And then I completely denied that it was about me, but um, it was published. And I think half the people who bought it were my colleagues to see if they were in it. And then after that, I got to the second book and I had to make it up. <laughs> and, and ever since then, every single book it's got in some ways it's got easier because I know what I'm doing, but um, in other ways it's got harder because it, especially, you know, when you're on your 10th novel and you've described so many shower scenes and so many kind of, you know, daily routine scenes, you really are scratching your head for new ways to say, you know, the minute of, you know, of life. And, and, and so some ways I, I found my last novel really hard because I, I had nothing left to draw on that I hadn't used before. Catherine doesn't have this problem because she's so <laughs> prolific. I do. I mean, try, you know, when you, you know, when there's a lot of driving and like you have to find a million ways to talk about pulling off the road and stuff that I, I, that's the sort of, that's, a, that's the sort of small version of that. Yeah. Um, I started, I was the same. I'd started really, really young, wrote my first novel when I was 12, that kind of stuff. So, um, and then was lucky enough to know somebody who knew an agent when I was 26 with my first children's and it was easy to get it published from, from that way. So I've sort of been doing it since then. And I've always wanted to, because I'm a big reader, like can't, you know, have to have my book. Yeah. So yeah, when you, it's like, playing the piano like if you like music you end up trying to play an instrument you know it's that sort of thing I think mm. is there an author that inspires you uh well there were the ones from early days that did you know like oh I suppose George Orwell and um um well when I was a kid C.S. Lewis I mean I've, I've ended up writing C.S. Lewis-y stuff yeah. you know like so I suppose it all comes back in the end. And then, of course, other authors as you go along, like, you know, like Evelyn Waugh because he's just, uh, he's like dialogue so good and just, I mean, you know, even people like, oh, and, you know, just as, as thriller writers, you know, then you, 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 love, you know, you love people who are nice and snappy, like, you know, like Michael Connolly or, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's just you just get you you when it whatever you happen to be I just get bored very easily which is why I sort of jump from thing to thing but whatever you're doing at the moment for me I'm like okay well for example I had a horror horror idea once and I thought oh well I don't write horror and I thought oh well the worst thing in the world wasting an idea a good idea I can't bear it that's the worst thing in the world so I'm like well I could probably do this let me just read a whole bunch of Stephen King you know so you know so it's it's like that I guess yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, that's the the, um, the great thing about these panels is that we're all readers as well as writers. So it's kind of it's always interesting to kind of hear what um, what other sort of crime writers the, the crime writers are reading. And so in in terms of that sort of um, that back catalogue, what has changed for you as a writer through the the, the writing of the books? Is the what could you go back to that um, that young author and say this is here's some tips i've learned along the way 
I, I think you just have to go through the process. I could tell myself 13 years ago a whole lot of things but it's the it's the practice and the writing and the and the evolution natural evolution as you um get each book out that that um inspires the next one so i'm not really sure that it would change anything Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i like this apprenticeship that you have to go through and 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 it's particularly poignant when you're talking to young writers and you know, they're amazing and they've got amazing talent and amazing use of language, but what they don't have is life experience. And so it's very hard for them to talk authentically about, you know, um, lots of things because they haven't experienced it. Mm. Um, so I, I do think, um, you know, getting a, a bit older helps with writing. Um, and and as Sarah said, it's you have to go through, you know, you have to go through and learn your craft. And, yeah. and the only way to do that is just doing it. And yeah. I, I kind of wonder whether like the last sort of two years is really going to change a lot of that kind of writing experience because we are like, we need to kind of be in the world to get our material and we haven't been able to do that. I mean, is, is, do you think that um, we're going to have to have a period of sort of restocking the, the ideas I'm being called for jury duty next week, and I'm going there so fast. You're going to see skin. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm be like, pick me, pick me, please. Unfortunately, I think as soon as you say you're a crime writer, <laughs> as far as I know, they don't know your profession. But I think I look so eager; they'll think something is wrong with me. It's sort of it's quite a yeah. No, I work there. In terms of sort of the that sort of personal experience, I mean, is that something that you're drawing on? Like, have you do you sort of see you know the jury duty as, as being research, or do you see absolutely? It as I, I, I and it's duty? not like the case. It's nothing to do with whatever that case would be, and it's just the process and being allowed inside a court because um, you know um, getting yourself into those um, places is is hard sometimes. Um, yep. And so it's just being able to go in there and see, you know, the mechanics of how it works. And and just from being called for jury duty, I've had three new book ideas <laughs> and nothing. I haven't even stepped inside there and I probably won't even get picked. But just the fact that my routine has been upset and I, I'm going to have to go into the city and change what I'm doing on a daily basis. It's like having a new job. It's it's quite exciting, actually. I'd mm. be quite devastated. <laughs> I probably won't get picked. <laughs> Because we don't kind of see the those behind the scenes things, so it's going to be quite a quite a rare thing. But um, should get back to the books. Uh, so so the, you've written um, all of you have written standalone, and you've written series. Do you prefer one over the other, or is it more driven by the the story at the time? Definitely story driven, because yeah. sometimes you just can't get everything get through everything in one book. It's not realistic. Um, but also if you uh, create a great bunch of characters that you get quite attached to. It is fun to follow them through for a little bit longer. Also, though, by the end of a series, I'm so sick to death of them, I never want to talk to them again. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a little bit of both, I suppose. Yeah. It's always exciting to start a new one. Um, actually, it's interesting talking about that and and also with refer, reference to that development of writing. Um, since I've been doing it for so long, um, one of the things I've noticed <clears throat> is how everything changes. So 
my writing style has changed because the tastes have changed. Like I, I look back now and I think, Christ, I just buggered around for so long. You know, it didn't get to the point. I'm thinking I, it still won awards, but it won awards at the time. And like what's happened is, for example, especially with kids, the, th- the three-act film structure has kind of become the dominant literary structure as well, like because people see so many films and they're used to that structure. And so once upon a time you didn't have to, but now you're pretty much have to, especially in thrillers. And and also um, and um, the, the whole thing about like, oh, God, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I just lost my thread. But um, the other the other thing we were just talking about, which was. Standalone series or. Series, series, yeah. So it depends. Like with, with Pagan's, with my Pagan books, which were these fairly successful young people's books, he wouldn't leave me alone. He literally wouldn't leave me alone. Like he was literally at my shoulder. Like I couldn't get him out of my head until I'd done sort of about four or five. Mm-hmm. Whereas, say, with Evil Genius, which was another successful one, that went to America. Suddenly they they said, yeah, we want more of those and we'll pay you this much money. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. No problems. So, you know, it depends really. Like circumstances dictate. Yeah. 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 I've never written a series, just to put it on record. <laughs> and actually I was um, so interested watching um, Sarah set up her next book um when i read unforgiven it was yeah yeah so it's sort of looking forward to the next one because she's such a great character which is kind of the the another question i was going to ask is sort of does the character come first for your your books or is it more the, the the story and plot definitely with unforgiven the character yeah um lexi is um one of those ones that gets in your head and you just yeah, like you're saying, she's got so much to say, and she's there in the back of my mind all the time. And I, I really enjoy writing her, so I was really looking forward to, to doing more books um, with Lexi. Um, but of course, you've got to have an event that that's going to carry that character through and make her believable and make people want to read more, and and that's going to shape that character and and make them what they are. So, bit of character, bit of event, but um, with Unforgiven, you know, Lexi was my starting point for sure. It's funny how characters infect us. And sort of they, they won't leave us alone sometimes, as as Catherine was saying. But um, you know, it's it's um, the the characters that just you might have written years ago, but you still kind of got in the back of your head. They just you know they haunt us. Sometimes <laughs> you haunted Andy by your character. Uh, I am actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which character? Uh, well, it was Lockie Munro was uh, was the character that's haunted me, and um, uh, I worked on uh, Squizzy Taylor a few years ago, and I actually can't stop researching Squizzy. So yeah, there's, I'm, I'm haunted. Help me. <laughs> um, in terms of the um, those those characters, is there a character in your books that you've sort of really liked? doing apart from Lexi and your, your main characters but is there um another one that you sort of enjoyed and want to bring back Dorney oh, oh excellent yeah, Dorney. I was 
Yeah. Hoping you say Dawny. I love Dawny. Uh, for those who have yet to read the book, Dawny is a wonderful um, older neighbour of Lexi. Dawny was introduced to just um, lighten some of the heavier parts of the plot and to provide, I guess, a little bit of comic relief. And she is one character that I just didn't have to think about at all. She was in my ear. She almost created herself. I don't know where she came from, but um, yeah, I, I loved writing Dawny. That was great. Yeah. She could almost have her own book. The, almost, yeah, almost. But I think I think the bouncing <laughs> off Lexi is is what you know really brings it to life. Yeah, yeah. And what about you, Bert? Um, I found, and I as I go on, I I found um all my characters in my latest book hard to formulate. Because I, I, you know, when you've written ten novels, you know, you've had a te- you know, you've had a book about a teacher, you've had a book, you know, um, about a doctor, you've had a book, you know, you've had, you've, and I've always really tried to focus on professions. I love what people do, and I really try and make that part of the plot and who they are. So um, with the latest novel, I was just clean out of ideas, to be honest, about characters and. Um, so I, I, with the paramedic, um, I have had a long held obsession with paramedic, you know, ambulance shows. So I was able to draw on, on, you know, um, many, many hours of watching ambulance shows in the past. And, and then, um, with the other, um, character in this book, Jess, who's a, a boxer, um, you know, I got that idea when I was sitting in the pub one night when I was away on my holidays and there was a wrestling match going on and I thought, oh, I can have a character as a boxer. I've never had that before. <laughs> and of course, then researching that and making that believable um, was, you know, very, very difficult. But um, in the end, it fed in quite nicely to the plot and, you know, that fight or flight idea. Mm. Um, and um, and then I ended up with a police detective and um, trying to solve who's 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 shot this man and and why and 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 she was also very difficult because as I said detectives are busy so researching anything is is hard they've only got limited time and I have never written from a detective's perspective before so it was difficult um, um, and so she was a mother so I I did focus a lot on her her children in the novel and and because I felt that was the only thing in the entire novel I knew anything about. Mm. Did did you do any research on the boxing? Did you do any training? I I I didn't train, um, but I had a very helpful um, gym in Warrywood, um, who were amazingly welcome and thought it was very normal for a writer to come into the gym to, <laughs> you know, ask them all questions. They would I would arrive in and and they would go and get me a seat next to the ringside, and <laughs> you know they were they were absolutely wonderfully helpful. Yeah, oh, I love the boxing scenes. They were great. And what about you, Catherine? Um, yeah, I was just thinking actually um, it's been very different. I write for children and adults and young adults and writing for children and often young adults, the main character's got to be far more lovable than, the, than, than they are in adult books. Like adult books has to be sort of more realistic and they've got to be mixed kind of characters. So in a way, that's why it's more stressful <laughs> writing adult books because when you've got those kids' lovable characters that you actually really enjoy being with because they're just gorgeous, and then in the adult ones you're not really as happy to spend 
endless amounts of time with people who are more like real people, (laughs) (laughs) who's an introvert anyway, me. So, you know, you don't want to be spending enormous amounts of time with annoying people, slightly annoying people. They're never wholly annoying people. And usually they go through that character arc where they're, there's something annoying about them and then they manage to somehow resolve it or something at the end. But with, with kids' books, they tend to be a bit more, they, they're just more appealing, the characters, yeah. I think. Do you have a preference for genre? Because I was sort of looking at it, I was like, it's pretty much, you've covered every. Just about. Just about. Yeah. It's sort of like, which um, one haven't you done? Preference of genre. Well, you know, I like my historical, do like my history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, I do like it. I've covered it so much because I like to try and something different and try and master it or at least get good at it or whatever, you know. So it just it just depends on at the time. And what I'm particularly interested at the moment is pacing and that kind of thing. And that that's what I'm interested in at the moment. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm doing it. So at the moment, that's what I want to, you know, that's my favorite. But it just depends. But I can see in a few years. It's not as good for your mental health doing this stuff as it is doing really nice children's stuff. <laughs> so I might have to go back to the really nice children's stuff. I think there is a, a duty of care that, you know, when you are sort of writing crime, you need to be aware of because, you know, you can be researching some pretty dark and nasty stuff. I, I, do any of you sort of have a, a process for protecting yourself if you're, you know, researching anything? I basically, um, I wrote most of Unforgiven in my office and I would put it down and then I'd walk out and then I'd be mum again. I'd try not to carry the thoughts of what I was doing. And it's quite different because most books are in my head the whole time and I'm planning and plotting them. But a lot of the early research for that was really tough. Um, I didn't write a lot of it into my book, as you know, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to deal with that too much. But just the, um, yeah, the initial research, I just leave it behind and get up and go and do something else and not spend too much time on it. Um, you know, each time I sat down. And then I'd, I'd go and write a lovely um, scene as well and something a little bit funny and um, and just, yeah, just lift myself back up a little bit after after that. So, Because the um, the two detectives have got a, a really lovely relationship. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, and there is so much more to the book, like I said. Um, yes. <laughs> it's just... Um, the research had to be done and I had to know what I was talking about and I had to know how to to build Lexi. But once I'd done that, I I wrote the emotional few scenes that are in there and then I got on with the rest of the book so I could just put that down. I didn't have to revisit it again till the end. Yeah. Do you sort of feel that sort of by the end of these books that you've you've sort of learned something new about your yourselves? I definitely I think um I've learned so much through every book and yeah. and I think they do take you um, through the research and um, you end up with a weird collection of knowledge about all sorts of things in life. You know, mm. often um, it comes out when I'm being a mom and somebody says, oh, I, I think I'll do this. And I'm like, well, don't do that because of X, Y, Z. And it's really bizarre sometimes what I'm saying. And it's, because you know, things you learn through research um, broadens your horizons and I and I suppose because we're of the things we or the type of books we write you're probably a little bit less trusting of the world um as well and overly suspicious and paranoid (laughs) (laughs) but also maybe a little bit more empathetic because you get in so many heads in the characters heads um 
it helps you see things from many different perspectives, I think, on the same issues. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely become a lot less judgmental than my younger self, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, is it chicken or egg there? I mean, because you have to be sort of empath- empathic to get into somebody else's shoes in the first place, I think. But but on, at the same t- 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 time, when I'm writing a book, I have, like people say, know, like write what you know, and you and it's not exactly that because you have to do the research, but what you have to know is something inside your main character, something inside your main character that you can, that is emotionally exactly the same, some, something that you can relate to. So even though that character in many ways is different from you, you can go to that core thing, which is the same. And like the last book that I've just finished, not that one, but this other one, um, she's a mum with a daughter, which I have, and and her mothering style. And I, I was kind of, when you're saying learning about yourself, I was using stuff, pulling it out and thinking, yeah, that's probably a little overwhelming, isn't it, actually? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, but I used it. I thought, oh, that would be good for, for this person if I just pushed it a little further. Crazy but good, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you can sort of use the stuff that's in you. But when you pull it out and put it in there, you sort of think, hmm, and it does teach you something about yourself, I think. Mm. So please join me in thanking our guests. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that session from last year's Bad Sydney Crime Writers Festival, then join us this September in person or online for what will be another huge weekend of crime writing and crime writers at the 2022 festival. Go to the Bad Sydney website, sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media to be informed as soon as the tickets are released. We hope to see you there and make sure you come up and say hello. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the All About Crime podcast from Bad Sydney Crime Writers Festival. If you'd like to be part of the crime conversation, head over to Facebook and join our Bad All About Crime book club. The books featured in this episode are available from our online bookseller, partner Booktopia. You can find a direct link to the Booktopia Bad All About Crime page on this episode's show notes. If you love listening to All About Crime, please give us a rating and review in your favourite podcast app so other people can discover us too. The views, opinions and attitudes expressed in this episode of All About Crime are those of the participants and not those of Bad Sydney Crime Writers Festival. Until the next thrilling episode, keep reading and talking crime.